This program is brought to you by PersonalLifeMedia.com. Hi, and welcome to Green Talk, a podcast series from GreenLivingIdeas.com. Green Talk helps listeners in their efforts to lead more eco-friendly lifestyles through interviews with top vendors, authors, and experts from around the world. We discuss the critical issues facing the global environment today, as well as the technologies, products, and practices that you can employ to go greener in every area of your life. Hey, everybody. Thanks, as always, for listening in to Green Talk Radio from GreenLivingIdeas.com. This is Sean Daly, and I'm very excited about today's show because it's uh, special in several different ways. Uh, One is that it's episode number 100, so yay for that. That's a big milestone for us on the show. Very excited about that. And uh, it's just a number, but, you know, numbers have meaning to us human beings. But I'm also excited uh, more, more so because I have a very special guest today, Meredith Medland, who is another independent media journalist like myself working in the green and sustainable living space. Uh, she's also a podcaster and a blogger. So uh, without further ado, I want to welcome you, Meredith, to the show today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm glad we're living green. Yeah, definitely. And I'm really glad. I was recently a, a guest on your show, which is the Living Green Show, which is on the Personal Life Media Network. And uh, you were very kind enough to um, you were kind enough to introduce me to those folks and what they're doing. And uh, I was familiar with your show because it's a very popular show on iTunes, one of the premier really green shows of any kind that, that is out there uh, on the internet or, or otherwise. And so, um, you know, you've definitely been an inspiration to me as a journalist uh, with your show. And I really love your format. One of the things that I've enjoyed about listening to your show is that you interview on your show ecopreneurs, eco-entrepreneurs, green media journalists, even celebrities. But what I really appreciate about it is the fact that you get to know the people behind the business, not just about sort of the facts and the, you know, which are important, of course, what's going on with the business, but also the person, sort of what their personal motivations are, their connections to green living and, and things like that. So I thought in, in honor of having you on the show today, I'd turn the tables a little bit and, and adjust the format to, to really get to know Meredith Medlin. Yeah, if you don't mind that. Oh, thank you so much. I don't mind at all. Yeah, it's an homage, as it were, to to your to your format. So, well, why don't we just start with why don't we start with podcasting? What, when did you first start getting into podcasting? I started getting into podcasting when I was working for Ad Tech, and you can learn more about Ad Tech at ad-tech.com. And Ad Tech is the largest digital marketing conference in the world. They have conferences all over. And I was their director of marketing, and one of my, uh, the chair of ad tech at the time was Susan Bratton, and she was doing a, a podcast uh, on industry, uh, with industry speakers, and I was able to do podcasting in association with Webmaster Radio on the floor at ad tech events. That's how it all started. Yeah, Ben, that's a great, there's a great show, a lot of smart people there in the advertising and marketing space, and definitely has a show that's uh, had a lot of green influence lately too uh, as we're seeing across the uh, various industries yeah so and and um so i'm also curious i mean i know that you've had quite a, a character arc as it were in, in your life and, and in some ways actually i know that you and i have had similar character arcs so they've, they've been similar in certain ways in terms of podcasting and, and martial arts which i hope we'll, we'll talk a little bit about later yeah. on definitely yeah. talk about our, our, our other love so meredith i know from our previous discussions that you've studied meditation in bhutan 
after having spent like myself a number of years in the internet industry. Can you tell me how that impacts you? Oh, sure. So I started out in uh, television and radio uh, in my early 20s and in college. I have a classic uh, degree in advertising and went into the internet industry selling online advertising banners, then moved to the industry in a few different positions, heading up the internet division for the Sharper Image, and then as a director and analyst for Jupiter Research in their consulting arm. And it was I had the, the wonderful experience of being with Jupiter before they went public, and so I was able to take some of that money a few years later and do some exciting things. And so the one of the first trips that I took was to Bhutan, which is the, um, uh, their, their, their gross national product is happiness, and they are the, <laughs> they're funny. a kingdom, and they are fully uh, a, a, a full Buddhist uh, kingdom, which is un, unusual because the Chinese have gone into other countries. And I was able to study with one of the top scholars of Tibetan Buddhism and go into some of the temples and look at the old Sanskrit scrolls and see a festival that happens once every hundred years that attracted lots of National Geographic photographers. But on top of all of that, I got a very, very deep education in the framework around Tibetan Buddhism as well as the actual education and the experience of what meditation can do to clear my mind and my soul and all, just make me feel more connected to my spirit. And so after that, which sounds like a very profound experience that you had, when you came back to then sort of go back into the work world, what were your thoughts at that time? How did that change things? Well, I came back and actually about a week and a half after I returned, I had scheduled uh, a, a, a workshop to go to, and it was called the Landmark Forum. It was with a company called Landmark Education. And you can learn more about them at, at landmarkeducation.com. And so I'd had this dream since I was 15 of being a motivational speaker, and I wasn't completely sure what I was going to be speaking about, but I figured I could figure that out in California. Mm-hmm. And so I had... <laughs> it's, a good, it's a good place to go and find yourself. And exactly. And when the Sharper Image offered me that job in San Francisco, it had a press component, and I'd studied uh, graduate coursework at Northwestern University in PR and crisis management as a spokesperson. So I'm actually a trained spokesperson when it's a member of the National Speakers Association. And this all was happening in my early and mid-20s, probably a little bit too soon, actually. And so I didn't really have the, the years of experience or the content. And so I had contacted Landmark Education because someone had heard about or someone had told me about them, and I knew they did some sort of motivational personal growth work, although I didn't know what it, what it was exactly. So I was going there to check out the event and, and be their next leader. <laughs> well... <laughs> That was a, that that turned it turned out to be phenomenal education and uh, and that that turned into probably about six or seven years of personal growth development maybe seventy or more workshops in all varieties of different things I spent most of my IPO money on that development and was really able to go on an extraordinary journey which included 
highlights is being certified by the National Academy of Sports Medicine as a personal trainer and oh, wow. uh, being certified as a, a massage therapist taking uh, transformational body work and shamanic healing work with you are, a man you, named... You're a true renaissance woman, I have to, be, <laughs> I have to tell you. I, I like to think of myself as a renaissance man, but I, I think you, you best me in many, many areas here. Next, you're going to tell me about your time in the conservatory with music, I think. <laughs> I'm going to really be blown away. But please well, continue. my friend Joel is teaching me some stuff on the guitar right now, and I'm looking forward to being able to play around the campfire. I figured that had to be in there somewhere. So oh, please, yeah. please continue, I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, no, not at all. So the point of the story is essentially all these tools came together and I started um, doing a lot of coaching and facilitation and personal training and I, I taught yoga. So I really went into a journey of my body and, and, that, and it was really being, um, uh, from, it was really coming from my own internal experience and desire to, to have a really physical body experience. And then I had a, a very significant shoulder injury, which um, enabled me to look at other opportunities, like a computer and sitting at a desk, because all of a sudden I couldn't pull the leg up on a body on a massage table or wasn't able to teach yoga anymore. And so the beauty is what happened then is I started going back to work, and that's when I started working as the director of marketing at AdTech, and it was there that I formed the accountability consultancy that I founded called Three Outcomes, which integrates a lot of the components of things that I've learned. So Great. that's what got me here. Well, good. Well, I want to talk more about that and a few other things. We're going to take a quick break to go to our commercial sponsor, and, uh, and then we'll be right back with Meredith Medlin, who is a podcaster and blogger and the host of The Living Green Show and founder of ThreeOutcomes.com, and we'll be right back. Listen to Living Green, effortless ecology for everyday people a weekly online audio program featuring champions of sustainable living at personallifemedia.com. All right, we're back with Meredith Medlin, who is a podcaster and blogger and the host of The Living Green Show. And Meredith, when we last left off, we were talking about... Um, the three outcomes, and I actually had a question before. I want to hear about three outcomes, but I also had a question about your your Living Green show, the the Green um, uh, podcast that you do uh, on the uh, Personal Life Media Network. And uh, just I want to mention too for anybody that's listening in that the URL for that show you can find it at uh, livinggreenshow.com. Is that correct, Meredith? That's right. correct. You can go right there. And if you'd like to see all the other great shows on the Personal Life Media Network, you can go to personallifemedia.com. And I have to full disclosure that, and through your good graces and uh, Susan and Tim Bratton, who run the show over there, uh, run that network, uh, we actually are moving. I'm happy to announce this is another special announcement beyond having you on in episode number 100 that we are actually officially moving over to the uh, Personal Life Network with this show, with Green Talk Radio. So uh, thank you for the introduction over there, and we're looking forward to joining the network. My pleasure. You'll be, th this is great for all the listeners because you're, as a listener, You'll continue to get really, really high quality from Sean, and also you'll be able to get advertisers and messages that are really giving you offers and opportunities that are unlike what you might find in traditional media because they directly meet your needs. Yeah, they're contextually relevant, as, as they say. So I'm curious about, speaking of The Living Green Show, tell me about what you've learned about sort of press interviews and, and intimacy with, with guests in, in the process of launching and running and, and hosting that show. 
the most significant experience I've had with Living Green, Effortless Ecology for Everyday People, that's the full title, is the sense of effortlessness. And there was an interview I was doing with Suzanne Sterling. I believe it was uh, episode number eight, and she is a musician. And she was also a longtime friend of mine, more of a, a, a peer, and I'd taken singing lessons with her before, and she's also uh, a ritualist. And I was going into the interview, and we were doing it in person, and I knew what I really wanted to ask her was, how do you call in the four corners, north, south, east, and west, in a ritual? Why, why do you do that, and what's so miraculous about that? And I, I, I'd known that that was a basis in a lot of spiritual traditions, and and in a lot of shamanic work and reclaiming or or other organizations and, and, and things like things like feng shui as well isn't isn't that correct yeah exactly but i i knew about it loosely but the most important thing that i've learned through podcasting is to ask the question that is on my mind to trust myself so deeply that i could look her right in the eyes and have that intimacy and be so vulnerable. Because what was really happening in my mind prior to this moment was, I really should know this. I've probably read it a number of times. I've got Starhawk's books. I, you know, <laughs> like, right. it's very basic material that, that I feel like I should know by now. And in that moment, I realized that, number one, it was my energy, as well as hers, being expended for the show. Number two, at that point, I wasn't being paid. This was all my own resources. And number three, that the only way that people were having a good time if they were listening is if I was having a good time, because I was directing, essentially, the show. Yeah, no, that's so true. I, I've had very similar lessons myself, is that, you know, it's, and I think it's similar with when you're selling a product or a service, it's you have to be the... You have to be the customer because if they're not, or the listener in this case, because if they're not getting it, whether it's a product or service, or you're not getting it, why would they? And so that if you're not having a good time with it, why would they? It, it extends into that as well. So yeah, no, that, that makes a lot of sense to me. Um, so, well, please continue. So you learned how to have a good time. Yeah, well, you know, I mean, it, it, you can't fool people. If you're not interested, truly interested in the topic, I think that unless you're you know, an Anthony Hopkins level actor, uh, it's going to be really hard to, uh, to, to, to mask that energetically speaking, you can, you can kind of walk through it, but so I think it's important to choose, you know, good, good guests and topics that you're interested in. And, um, you know, something you really, you just said too, is, uh, is important too. And I think it ties into being in the moment, um, is that we, it's, it's easy to sort of script things to be safe and secure and, you know, uh, ground yourself, and I, I, that's why it's always good to have your sort of your idea of where you're going and set the intentions. But I think that you miss the magic of the moment if you don't stay present in, in, in listening to somebody, whether it's a conversation or a radio interview or whatever it might be. Is that that's where the magic can happen? And I think a lot of the magic happens in the detours, uh, not necessarily what you thought you were going to talk about or hear from a guest. Mm -hmm. When we're really present with each other, magic does happen. That's that's a lot right there. I'll tell you, that's a that's a life lesson in itself. Well, so, that's what that's what happened in that interview because then I asked Suzanne about what it, what she would do to call in the four directions, 
and start, then just decided, you know, I just got over the bump of like, okay, I'm going to ask her. And then she ends up in the episode actually doing about a three-minute meditation to center every listener on the earth. And it was absolutely phenomenal. It's episode number six. And I still listen to it because it's, it's, it's literally evoking the elements of our world and demonstrating it. That's really and, cool. And if you, if you look at Tibetan Buddhist philosophy and other spiritual philosophies, many people believe that we're actually transmitting data to one another and transmitting experiences to one another. And so the show offers listeners a direct transmission of some of what I believe are the most deepest connections to, to spirit and to the, the energy that holds the interconnectedness of us all together. Well, what I think is particularly cool about that, too, is encapsulating Eastern thought processes in, in, in a sort of a Western thought or media capsule uh, content, because I'm, I'm into things like steampunk, you know, of taking old things and, you know, modernizing them and mm-hmm. you know, sort of reaching that balance. So to me, that's a very steampunk cool. Uh, and if and you don't know what steampunk is, you'll have to go on to listeners listening. You'll have to go on to wiki or Google uh, steampunk. It's kind of interesting. But yeah, no, I think that that's, um, that, that's very cool. And it's very unusual content and unusual in a good way um, because there, I think so much of what's out there is very similar uh, regurgitations of the same information over and over again. So that's, well, that's And it's actually becoming more and more common. In another one of the episodes I did, number 21, which was Wiggly Wigglers, the Digital Farmer and the Spiritual Practice of Urban Composting, something very similar happened. And the interview was with this woman named uh, Heather Garinge. And basically, they have, uh, they have a real working farm with about 18 people, some family and, and some uh, uh, outside workers, and they use the web to digitize a podcast with her son. They have um, uh, calves being born, and they record it on the podcast. They also discuss how-tos. She told me all about bakashi buckets. Do you know what those are? I don't. Oh, okay. So you definitely, I, I think you and your listeners will want to know this. Okay, they're called bakashi buckets. It's B O. K-A-S-H-I, Bakashi Buckets. And it's literally, you can get it for $50 online, and there's actually a link on that episode page on livinggreenshow.com. You can get it online. It's a plastic bucket, and it's used for composting, particularly in urban apartments or areas. It works great. I have one in Santa Barbara. And the Bakashi is a whole bunch of different materials together, and you get in a bag, and you put it like you would compost ingredients on the bottom of the pail, and then there's a, a flat bed with uh, holes in it, and you put your beautiful you know, red pepper tops or the inside seeds and whatever peels you have or uh, tangerine peels or an apple core, and then you sprinkle more bakashi on, and it creates compost within this plastic bin, and it's really little. It's maybe a foot by three foot by three feet on the top, and it's this incredible thing that Heather Gringe turned me on to, and it makes my life a lot easier, and I just love telling people about it because it makes composting so simple. 
And it's great too. I love that because it also facilitates, I, I had not heard of this and it also facilitates composting, as you said, in an urban environment. Whereas most people think, I mean, we're very fortunate to be able to have the compost bin outside in our backyard and all of that. But uh, I like I like the ability to, <clears throat> to be able to extend that into an urban environment as well. Yeah. And then there's the spigot at the bottom and that's how you clear out the all the water and the the ingredients, the, the liquid. And you can use that liquid to clean your bathroom tub. Oh, very cool. It's like a, it's a natural cleaner. It's wow. totally amazing. It doesn't smell. It's not gross. There's, it's all good. So I love finding out about things like that. So thank you for sharing that. My pleasure. Yeah. Thank you. Well, so I'm, I'm also curious. I want to talk a little bit about... Actually, we're going to take a quick break here. This is a good spot to take a pause, and we'll, we'll be back with Meredith Medlin, the host of The Living Green Show. We'll be right back. Listen to Beauty Now, the intersection of cosmetic surgery, longevity, and biomedical innovation for confident decisions in preventative aging on personallifemedia.com. Okay, we're back with Meredith Benlin. We're talking uh, about Meredith and her show, The Living Green Show, and uh, also want to talk a little bit, Meredith, about uh, your business and uh, three outcomes. And you know, I was interested, I was intrigued actually when I first listened to your show and I went to the bio and ended up on your your three outcomes page. I, I know that, um, or I think uh, that that's your consulting business. But what I was fascinated by was your process that I read about. Which was because I really believe in setting intention that that you know that a lot more productivity comes from life regardless of what you're doing whether it's personal work or work work or whatever it is by setting your intentions in advance and sort of future thinking things and, and that manifestation um, through through thought and clarity um, and so I, I noticed that that was seemed to be a, a lot of what you were talking about with three outcomes can can you tell us about that specifically that business and its genesis yes so three outcomes is a system that allows accountability, intention, visualization, and collaborative teamwork to happen within a group of people. I'll just tell you what I'm up to in a few days because it's an exciting way to explain three outcomes. I will be uh, emceeing the first annual or, or first birthday celebration of a company called Hologenesis, which was founded by Brooks who's also uh, the founder of Holocosmos. And uh, you can learn more about Holocosmos at holocosmos.com. And he actually happens to be the designer of the Personal Life Media website, just as an aside. And what I'm doing in preparation for that is working with each of the team members, of which there are, are about 12 for this event, as well as different financial investors, to specifically create outcomes. So, I've been in the system. Go ahead. Oh, no, I was just going to say, so, and these are the specific outcomes that, that the, they're looking for. To exactly. And so in this particular event, the outcomes are being written for what's going to be happening at their investor party. And we'll get together at 3 o'clock, and then we'll get together again at 9 o'clock. So at 3 o'clock, we state our outcomes all together in a group. The event happens, and those outcomes are working in the background and pulling those experiences toward us. And then at 9 o'clock, we'll all voice our three outcomes again, and hopefully we'll be celebrating because the outcomes have been written and communicated using the SMART formula, which you and your listeners may be familiar with. Have mm -hmm. you heard of that? I have, yes. 
Okay, so it, this is about making specific and measurable, realistic goals that are time-based. And so what I've found is that this mixture of new age intention visualization that I got exposed to in my body work shamanic days, as well as a true desire to have teams collaborate and know what they're doing and why they're doing it, along with a desire to celebrate, a desire for teams to have goals and have a vision that they're all living into. Three outcomes came together, and it's the, the system has been used by Adzilla, which is one of the first ISP-based ad networks mm-hmm. uh, at AdTech this year. They used it. Earth TV, which is URTH.TV, has used it, and many other companies, the Omega Institute, who you may also know. And it's just, it's really exciting to see what happens when people take the time to put intentionality into an event, a sales conference, a trade show, and when there's three outcomes that are the key outcomes for the group, supported by three individual outcomes of each member of the group, there's an alignment that I've never experienced before in all of my corporate work. Well, you know, it makes so much sense to me because regardless of, I think, how somebody sort of slices that and, and, and analyzes it and comes up with, you know, how it works, whether you're coming from more of a, you know, a scientific background or, a, you know, a more um, sort of left brain versus right brain sort of approach to it, it makes sense on all levels because, you know, even if you just look at the logistics of your day, if you're not clear about what you want to get done, you'll find yourself, I think most people find themselves sort of drifting off into to tangents and, and really coming back and saying, I, I, you know, I, I didn't really get done what I wanted to get done. Whereas if you're, if you create clarity, it, you know, it gives, it galvanizes the mind and focuses your energy in, in productivity, whether it's in an individual or in a group session at, at a setting that as you're talking about. So it just makes sense to me. And I think it's something that, uh, I, I know that anecdotally it's worked really well in my own life. So yeah, I think that's, that's great. So this is a, basically a pro- do you have a, is there a patent involved with the process or anything like that that you've developed? There's not a patent at this standpoint, but I, I do, uh, I do feel like I'm willing for anybody to, to do it, and it takes the people who are trained facilitators, of which there are several in the three-outcome system, to do it at this point. And, you know, that's something that may be down the road. Yeah. Oh, good. Well, we wish you luck with that, and I, I would be remiss in not mentioning the website, too, which is threeoutcomes.com. You can find out more about that. It's the, the number three, and then the word outcomes.com. We're going to take a quick break to go to our commercial sponsor, and uh, then we'll be right back with Meredith Medlin. And we know, Meredith, with the time we have left today, which is just about, I think we have just under 10 minutes, and I really wanted to talk to you about um, something that you and I share in common, which is a love of martial arts and sort of, uh, as you put it really well, the inner ecology that's going on, uh, which I think is very important. Um, Can you tell us about how you support your own inner ecology uh, within the martial arts world and and in general? I, I would love to. So one of the most important things in my whole life is the experience, well, the most important thing in my whole life is the experience I have in my body. And depending on how the experience is going in my body, uh, I, it, it definitely shifts and, and changes my emotional state. So, 
eating really solid and good food, wholesome food, and having a regular fitness practice, as well as getting outside in nature, are the fundamental tools that build the foundation of what it means to me to be living green. Yeah, well put. And, and I have to just say, you know, ditto. I mean, I don't know what else to say except ditto. I, I've had such a similar experience, and, and I'm, I'm really curious because I, I, my own personal experience has been that, you know, by, by eating good foods and all these things, it's, other than, you know, what we expect in terms of health return, um, it also sort of unblocks the signals, whereas things like, you know, sugar and the various toxins you can put in your body seem to sort of block the signals, emotional, physical, and otherwise, and sort of bend and skew us. And that, you know, the physical exercise is very grounding. I, I don't know about you, what you do. I know we both practice martial arts. I know you're a Hapkido practitioner. I happen to practice Kung Fu. It doesn't really matter. It's all sort of, you know, forms of the same thing and, and in many cases stemmed from the same original arts. But, um, you know, if I do even something like a trail run, uh, it, it <clears throat> what happens is I go from the cluttered mind, the monkey mind, as they call it, I think in yoga and, and, and other uh, disciplines, to this total clarity. And all of a sudden, I mean, you know, I, I organize, I sort things out, I feel grounded. Endorphins definitely happen, and that's part of it. But, you know, it's also this just complete peace that comes over me that uh, lends itself to the rest of my day or even my week. Um, and, and I hear, I hear you saying, you know, some similar things that, that kind of profound effect. So it's good to know that I, that I'm not alone there. Tell, tell me about specifically about your experience with, with the martial arts, Hapkido, um, how that came into your life and, and how that's affected your life. The, it, it came into my life by a surprise. It wasn't, it wasn't expected. Uh, a friend of mine was, had a job in Santa Barbara and I was living in Marin at the time uh, or actually living in San Francisco at the time. And the uh, founders of a company called Intro Networks, which is a social media network, are both black belts, uh, Kimberly and Mark. And they were working out at this dojo. And uh, my friend Ted was there and started doing Hapkido. And I came to visit him in Santa Barbara. And I came into the dojo to watch a belt promotion. And let me just say that martial arts was not something that that was really in my uh, frame of reference. I, I was thinking maybe capoeira or salsa, or you know, mm-hmm. so martial. I don't have like a lifelong pull toward martial martial arts. I had no idea what I was going to see when I got there. But what I did know is that Ted had sent me an email, and it caught my attention. and And he started out by saying, "Things are starting to change with me." As I go into the dojo, I look above me, and I see hanging black signs on the wall. The words of those signs are courtesy, integrity, perseverance, self-control, and indomitable spirit. And above those signs, there's one sentence, and it says, we are a black belt school. When I saw those words in that email, I knew there was something that I needed to explore. So I got on a plane, came down and saw his belt promotion, and as I watched the adults and the children and people of all different body types, all different ages, all different levels of charisma and smiles, 
I saw that there was an there was an energy in the room. I actually remember where it was. There were some chairs, and there were there was an audience, and there were kids, and they were dressed up in these geese, these martial arts uniforms, and the interaction that was present in the family units at that belt promotion were unlike anything that I had ever seen in families at musicals or soccer games or basketball games. This practice of Hapkido and many other martial arts forms enables families to come together and do a spiritual practice, a physical practice, and to have a development, a personal development of confidence. And in addition to that, what's beautiful about my particular dojo and, and the Hapkido that I study is that the master of the school, his name's Master Dave Wheaton, and he and his wife run the school. And I'm able to essentially surrender because I know that he's able to teach me something that I don't know. I don't know what my next, my next belt level will look like. I'm two-thirds through my practice before I receive a black belt. And the level of attention and presence that he calls out in me when he says, Attention! And also the warmth and the care and the love that I experience when he's teaching me or other classmates are teaching me or, or now I'm in the top of level two. So this has definitely been a, a, a new experience of doing much more teaching in the school than I'm used to and helping my fellow students. The camaraderie and the community, the community that is nestled around inner strength is something that only I've seen martial arts give people access to. Yeah, absolutely. I've had, again, you know, very much a mirror experience of yours with it's <clears throat> the study of martial arts, particularly when you're fortunate enough to have a good teacher is a, is, can be a very transformative experience, you know, physically as well as, um, spiritually, emotionally. I mean, really every way it's very holistic and in ways that are really difficult to, uh, to understand or explain to other people that, that haven't studied. Um, but, uh, you, you know, you put it very eloquently and, um, I wouldn't even seek to improve on that except to tell people that if they're out there and they're, They've considered it that um, there are so many different art forms um, that are available. You mentioned a few. We've mentioned a few. The ones we study, which are more external styles, and uh, there are so many internal styles out there, like zingy. And you know, it's not about punching and kicking necessarily, um, um, although it all should have its roots and obviously in martial application uh, if it, if it's a true martial art. But there are so many different. You mentioned capoeira, which is based on uh, the Brazilian. Uh, the slaves would hide their martial art in their dance, and so it has a very flowy like dance moves. But but it looks like dance to the outside, but it's actually got martial application embedded in it, so that they could practice their martial art and not raise the uh, hackle of uh, the slave owners, as it were. And so there are just so, so many wonderful arts out there. It's really a, a cultural library, really, a living cultural library. Well, one of the things that's most interesting to me about that example that relates to the subject of green is there's, um, there's a lot, uh, I hesitate to say this, but I'll, I'll just call it out. So there's a lot of fear right now going uh, around in communities that I'm involved in and a lot of concern about the nature of the planet and where things are headed. And depending on which, wh what view you take, there's obviously very, a lot of different opinions. And what I notice about that is that 
there's an opportunity for me to buy into fear around what my life will look like in the future. I'm 35, and what that will look like for my children, and where will I live, and will I want to live in community? And there, there, there are conspiracy theories, and there's you know all different sorts of information that we get access to now, particularly with the internet. And there's two things that martial arts has done for me that allow me to have more peace and serenity in my life, particularly as it relates to the global economy and the green movement. The first is I've participated in uh, a a self-defense course, and self-defense is part of my Hapkido training. You can also find out more about self-defense courses at modelmugging.com. I don't have any experience with them, but I do know that URL. Or you can learn more about what I'm up to at kickboxers.com, and I'm sure my studio would refer you to studios around the world, of which there are many uh, that my my master um, has started. So participating in a self-defense course allowed me to interact with another human being who was padded in a very thick suit and see what would happen when I engaged in feeling fears that I've had either as a child or throughout my life or whatever it is, feeling the feeling of fear and persevering. Yeah, I, 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 that's, and I, I know the suit you're talking about, and I've seen that class. I have a good friend here in town who does a class with a guy who comes in and wears that suit and, and does a women's self-defense class. And I, I was privy, I was very fortunate enough to watch a class like that and, and the, what the process that, that of facing those very primal fears, uh, which may even be triggering back you know, actual events in a person's life and working through that. And it's just, I mean, talk about transformative. I mean, it's amazing, you know. It, it's, I've, I've watched, um, and, and this is particularly, it's not certainly um, relegated solely to women, but you know I think that there's just because of the, the physical intimidation that can happen between the disparity, typically between the strength of a man and woman and, and the control and fear that can come up around that. It's, it's an enormous thing uh, for women to be able to overcome that and gain that confidence. And, uh, and quite frankly, to be able to open up a can of whoop tail on a guy you know, without fear of, of hurting them. Uh, to 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 find that to find that space in themselves where they feel like they could protect themselves, they feel like they can tap into that energy and and just to sort of remove the barriers and, and be able to to tap into that at a very primal level because we are we do have an animal self and that animal self is called upon in a situation where you're in fear or you're being threatened, your life is being threatened or what have you. So, yeah, that's that's great. Mm-hmm. And and often we're most afraid of how powerful we truly are. I, I agree with you on that. I think that people are afraid to, to let those walls down. We stay very controlled. I, I Very well put. I think that that's, that's something you can tap into. And, and one of the things that, that, that I've found in the study of martial arts is that as you go along, it, it's hard to explain, but what happens is the more power, control, strength, technique that you have, the less you would ever want to use it. It doesn't mean that you wouldn't use it if you needed to, but you don't feel like the offender, the aggressor, but rather what you feel is an inner sense of peace and control that, okay, I can handle myself. And you become of less of a mind about the worry and the fear energy, which is, I think, what you were saying earlier. Mm-hmm. And there's also an added benefit that I'd like to share before Please. we go with your female listeners, which it is also incredibly sexy. And, <laughs> and that's something that we may not see. You may not see that when you're watching Bruce Lee movies or learning about martial arts or Hapkido or the other things. But I got to tell you, you know, I've, 
I've done my share of pole dancing and Burning Man events and lots of fun and crazy dance parties, but the ability for me to use and contain and, and appropriately present my sensual energy because I know my boundaries and I know my capacity and I have an increased and heightened sense of awareness, both where there's pleasure and where there's danger, I am able to be a full, full version of myself, knowing that the training that I've put in over the years will ultimately me from having those fears that I once had. Yeah, definitely, definitely holistic. Well, that's yet another check in the benefit column. So I appreciate you sharing that. And Meredith, it has been a pleasure. We're out of time today. Unfortunately, I could talk to you for a long time. Um, I always enjoy talking with you uh, on or off mic. So I just want to sign off today by saying uh, thank you again for being on the program with us. Meredith Medlin has been our guest. She's the host of the Living Green Show at thelivinggreenshow.com. She's also the founder of Three Outcomes, the number three outcomes.com. Meredith, great Thanks as always to everyone listening in today. Remember, for more free on-demand podcasts, articles, videos, and other information related to living a greener lifestyle, visit our website at www.greenlivingideas.com. We'd also love to hear your comments, feedback, and questions. Send us an email at editors at greenlivingideas.com. Find more great shows like this on personallifemedia.com.